1: Welcome back to the Martech Podcast. Today, we're going to hear from an expert in the field of marketing to millennials. Kate Talbot is an entrepreneur, marketing consultant, and the author of Oh Snap, You Can Use Snapchat for Business, which is a best selling book on Amazon. Her work has been featured on CNBC, TechCrunch, and Huffington Post. And in this episode, Kate's going to give us an overview of how she became an expert in marketing to millennials and give us a preview of her book on using Snapchat as a marketing tool. Here's our interview with Kate Talbot. Kate, welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me on.
1: It's great to have you here. And uh, we're very excited to learn a little bit about marketing to millennials. So let's start off by you telling us a little bit about your background. Uh, How did you become an expert in the field of marketing to millennials?
2: Well, it helps out that I am a millennial myself, so that's always good. And I have been in the social media space since 2004, really. Same age as Mark Zuckerberg, and when Facebook launched and really involved myself in social media, I ran it at PR firms. I ran it at big brands like Kiva and Virgin America, was part of the safety video launch. and then have been working with early stage startups pretty much for the last four years consulting and helping them understand social media, influencer marketing, and everything millennial. In addition to all that, I'm a freelance writer. So I write about social media and marketing to millennials for Forbes, Social Media Examiner, and Gadget, and just really love helping everybody understand what our values are and how they can really market to them at their best ability.
1: So you mentioned that you worked with some larger brands. I see that on your website, you've worked with companies like Apple and Virgin America. Tell me a little bit about some of the projects that you've worked on for the bigger brands.
2: Yeah. So just to give background with Virgin America, I was the only social media person on the brand side there. So I created every single piece of copy, creative, analytics for a year straight, no days off, and just really created content that helped the brand shine, you know, all through their social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and the list goes on of what I did there. As I said, like the safety video, I'm sure everybody saw that huge launch over 10 million views. So really helping connect the passengers on Virgin who are that millennial audience and really engaging them through their social media abilities because they're going on the plane and they're tweeting about their experience and posting on Instagram and really utilizing that and helping out the brand of Virgin itself really understand the social media landscape since it's always changing.
1: So I think before we get into too much detail about how to market to millennials and what are some of the channels, can you give me an overview of how you define millennial?
2: So I think what's interesting in the news, they always have this idea of the millennial as being lazy, as not working hard. But I think that's a really horrible stereotype. And I don't think it's representative of millennials itself. I mean, if you look at what a millennial is, it's you know up to 34, 35 years old, and those millennials went through the economic collapse. So I think most millennials are scrappy, entrepreneurial, think of a different way of work style, and really have seen a lot more than previous generations in terms of the economy and other geopolitical factors that define how they look at the world. So I think the stereotype is bad. And I think that there's a lot of ways that you could engage with millennials because the way that they're digitally native and they're also just really young and hungry and want to change the world.
1: So essentially, millennials are the group that is below 35 years old. And to me, the delineation between a millennial and a non-millennial is somebody that has grown up with access to a computer and the Internet. And that obviously changes The access to information that they've been given, but it also changes the methodology in which they consume media and communicate. What are some of the key differentiators for millennials that you see in terms of media consumption? You know, some of the types of messaging that they're interested in.
2: Yeah, I think the number one thing that I see, whether you're an older millennial or a younger millennial, is the idea of experiences. And that is more important to them than having a house or having a cool car. It's all about what experiences you can go to and documenting those on your social media channels. So you go to Coachella and you're obviously going to do Instagram stories and you're going to wear certain clothes and you're going to post that onto your Instagram and you're going to go on trips and travel the world and you're going to make sure that you're documenting it in real time. So I think that's really native to millennials, this idea of wherever you go, you're always going to be documenting it and sharing it across your community. So the messaging that millennials really gravitate towards is authenticity. And that goes back to this idea of Instagram stories, Snapchat stories, you know, the ability for them to have access to information at such a young age really makes them not trust brands as much. So anything that's authentic and personal is key towards millennials and marketing to them.
1: So you mentioned that millennials are more interested in accumulating experiences than they are sort of possessions. Why is that the case?
2: So it's cultural capital. And that matters more because, unfortunately, the way that social apps are nowadays is that we get that dopamine hit every single time we get a like or a share or a follow. So I think that we've been growing up with making sure that the content that we're producing goes out and it gives us that cool factor. And the idea of having a house to a lot of millennials, A, it's really unaffordable. And then B, it's also not free. And I think that we're so used to traveling and having so much access that being able to post on social media is way more important than being stuck in one town and settling down. And you can see that in the birth rate declining or the marriage rates as well.
1: So tell me a little bit about some of the marketing channels that you find are effective with reaching millennials.
2: I would definitely say first off is always think about influencer marketing. Millennials really love influencers on Instagram and YouTube way more than they like celebrities nowadays. They feel like they're their friends, they're following what they're wearing, where they're going. And I think if you think about influencer strategy first, that's the way to go. And then you figure out which platform your audience is on. YouTube influencers have humongous reach, but older millennials aren't watching YouTube as much as younger millennials. So I'd really just think about video, of course is big in social media right now, influencers, and then finding the right audience of where your community is. So whether that's Snapchat, whether that's Instagram or YouTube, but I think that personalization is really a big factor for millennials. And it's seen on those three social channels.
1: Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it So, when you say influencer outreach, tell me a little bit about how companies can find the right influencers. What do those relationships look like? Let's go a little deeper there.
2: I think the misconception with influencer marketing is that you have to have a huge influencer like a Kylie Jenner or a Logan Paul, You know those big YouTube influencers who cost so much money and will have a return on investment. But what I think is really great is really thinking about what your niche is and really understanding who are influencers within your own communities and researching those. You can do that through hashtags, finding the right influencers within what your community is passionate about or working with influencer agencies to do so. And I worked with many influencer agencies and micro-influencers. You know, They have 10,000 to 100,000 followers, do really, really well, and they have a high ROI. So really think about your strategy of not shelling out tons and tons of money for the big ones because they might not be as effective, but really finding the ones that speak to your audience and might be better price points for your investment.
1: I like the tip of using hashtags that you think are relevant to your audience to find who your influencers are. And you mentioned that there are influencer agencies out there. What do the relationships look like between brands and influencer agencies? And can you give us a sense of what it costs to test influencer marketing as a channel? How are those deals structured?
2: Each deal is going to be completely different. There's influencer marketing agencies that you work with big managers like CAA or UTA. But you could also just work with other kind of companies where you're swiping left or right if an influencer, kind of like Tinder, like if an influencer matches your brand. And then those kinds of contracts are one-to-one personal because it could be doing a whole video and that video could be X amount of money or it could just be a photo and it's 10% of profit. So each one is different, but I would really research what you think your budget could be and really think about the ROI because you don't want to be spending money and then not seeing any return of investment because the influencer didn't really produce any results.
1: It's interesting. I'm just Googling Tinder for influencer marketing and I found a service called Holify, which allows you to literally swipe left or right on an influencer. I understand that there's a range in terms of how much a company will pay to reach an influencer and it depends how many likes that person has. But are those deals on a cost per impression, on a cost per post, Is there any way to sort of build in a performance-based criteria to how you pay influencers? What's your experience working with creating a collection of influencers for a brand at scale?
2: So again, like I would really research who your community is, but then also work with the agencies themselves because the agencies will have dashboards and those dashboards will give a lot of in-depth information, similar to when you do advertising campaigns with Facebook, and you'll be able to see exactly what you said, cost per impression, Any sales, you'll obviously do trackable links, brand reach, brand affinity, comments, likes, influencers that are also engaging with those influencers. So you really want to get a deep dive into what your investment is and then see what your goals were. Was it direct sales? How many sales did you get? Or was it just brand awareness and brand lift? So it's really all about what your goals are, but it's great nowadays with the amount of analytics that we all have access to to really see if that investment did work out. And in doing so, you can either pivot your strategy to do more influencers or limit it and think of a different kind of strategy for your outreach campaigns.
1: Let's talk a little bit about some best practices. Who do you think is doing a great job reaching millennials? And what are some things that you've seen that stick out?
2: I'll give a startup example and then we'll go into a big brand. So I actually work for them, disclosure, but they do an amazing job and it's Dote Shopping, D-O-T-E, and they were on Planet of the Apps, which was that Apple music reality show similar to Shark Tank. And they do fashion shopping. It's a mobile mall for the Gen Z millennial generation. And they've been able to tap into every single Gen Z influencer all around the U.S. And they call them dope girls. And they do these fashion influencer shoots with them. When I started there a year ago, there were 600 Instagram followers, now they have 45,000. And it's all about each day as a different influencer, them sharing their behind the scenes stories. In the Instagram stories, they go live, they do an Instagram live kind of show similar to HQ trivia. So really thinking about who your audience is, what they're following, and really tapping into those influencers and making it seem very quote unquote, cool girl. And if you wanna be part of a dope community, you can be a cool girl like the influencers. And then bigger brands that I think are doing great with millennials is Everlane. They were really first to market with thinking about their digital strategy with Snapchat and Instagram. And they've tapped into that millennial market very well, making sure that you know if you're a millennial, you're wearing that backpack that they have or the right white shirt and really doing so through their marketing campaigns. And I think they've been able to scale to the amount that they've been able to mostly through their digital media strategy.
1: So you mentioned two fashion brands, and I understand how it's very easy for, let's take the picture-based social networks, the Instagram, the Snapchats of the world, for people to observe what clothes an influencer is wearing. What are some examples of people, or what are the industries outside of fashion that are leveraging influencer marketing, or is this really just an e-commerce and fashion play?
2: I hear this question a lot because, of course, Snapchat is very beauty fashion, B2C consumer based. But I definitely think there's a B2B play as well for all this. Um, you could look at the Snapchat channels of Gartner. I mean, Gartner is as dry as it comes. They're looking at the magic quadrant, but they're also able to utilize Snapchat and Instagram stories when they're going to their big conferences and they're giving the behind the scenes of the conference. They're interviewing those thought leaders and they're connecting with the people at the conference through these social channels. And again, remember remembering that millennials aren't just 22, 23, they're 33, 34. And those could be VPs of companies. And they really are thinking about that digital consumer who is in the B2B market. And they're making Gartner fun. And you can see that as well with Salesforce and HubSpot and all these kinds of B2B companies that are humanizing their brand through millennial marketing.
1: So that to me sounds more of a content play where they're reaching millennials or using the social media channels that you mentioned to distribute their message. And as you said, humanize what they're doing, as opposed to do customer acquisition and reach a new market.
2: Exactly. And a lot of these aren't really customer acquisition plays. A lot of them are brand awareness, even in the e-commerce space, and then they'll do direct sales later. And I would never say that you could make a one-to-one sale, like right off the bat, it's a really long game with a lot of these channels.
1: So talk to me a little bit about the analytics and measurement of marketing to millennials. If you're using influencers and you're building your social channels, how do you evaluate success?
2: What I think is really exciting about the data and analytics with all these stories, if we want to just specifically look at that at first, is that you are seeing who is looking at your story and you're creating 10 second or less clips. So what's neat is that you're seeing where there's drop off. So you can see within the story itself if some kinds of content isn't performing and you can leverage those in or out of your content. So if maybe boomerangs aren't doing well within your Instagram stories, just get rid of those and only focus on video itself in terms of influencer marketing with the ROI, I think that's a really big deep dive into the direct sales or the brand awareness play. And I think that you can really have so much access to analytics nowadays. You can do trackable links on every single kind of link that you put out within your Instagram or your Snapchat. Within that, you have a swipe up feature as well. So you can see people who are swiping up or you could do a promo code within a snap or Instagram and ask people to Snapchat that and put it on their website. So there's so many different plays that you could look at for analytics and being tracking if it's just more brand awareness or there's a direct sale or completion to it.
1: Okay, great. I think that's a good stopping point for now. That wraps up today's episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Kate Talbot for joining us today. If you're interested in learning more about Kate, you can find her website at com. A special thanks to Searchmetrics for sponsoring our podcast. If you're looking to grow your online presence, go to searchmetrics.com to request your free tour of their platform. If you'd like the transcript of this podcast, we've published it on martechpod.com. And if you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, we just want to take a second to say thank you. We want you to feel like a member of our community. So if you ever have questions or you'd like to be a guest on the show, feel free to reach out to me directly at podcast at benjshap.com. Or you can find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Our handle is BenJShapp, LLC. Now, if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes coming up, including the second half of our interview with Kate Talbot. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. Okay, that's it for today. But until tomorrow, when we publish our the second half of our conversation with Kate Talbot covering millennial marketing, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.